0: Please stand for the reading of God's word. Matthew 6, 5 through 15. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. When you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, give us today daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins." This is the Word of God.
1: Well, all year long, 2021, by my count at least, uh, we have been talking about the kingdom of God. We're looking at um, what this thing is that Jesus calls the kingdom. How do we live within the kingdom? How do we be kingdom people in this world? And what we did is we started the year by talking about what are the kingdom fruits? What, what, are, what are these fruitful lives of, king, of kingdom living? What does kingdom living actually look like in the world? And now this summer, really late spring in the summer, we're talking about what are the kingdom roots? You know, if we're like these trees that want to bear the fruit of kingdom life, what do we need to be rooted in deeply, regularly, daily, in order to be the kinds of people who would actually live out the kingdom that Jesus invites us into? And so we're looking at different roots throughout the summer. We started by looking at scripture. We need to be grounded and rooted in God's word. And then for three weeks, we looked at community, being rooted in a local gathering of fellow believers, fellow Christ followers, like we are here at Grace Fellowship Church. And now we're turning to the third root, which is prayer, that we want to be a people who are deeply rooted in prayer as this way that we connect with God all the time. And we draw from him so that we can actually live out this uh, kingdom life. So we're going to spend the next three weeks talking about prayer, how do we root our lives in prayer, how do we be a praying community uh, at Grace, how do we do this, and I'm really excited about this, and I'll just say um, I would never prioritize any one of these like roots over the other, like how do you prioritize scripture over prayer over community, they're all so foundational, but I'll just say this, if I could just wave my magic wand and have the Spirit of God kind of blow through this community and do something fresh, it would be in this area of prayer that we would come away uh, increasingly this praying community this group of men and women who recognize our deep need for God and look at the world and realize God you're the only hope <laughs> for this world and for us and for our own hearts and our own lives and we we just want to draw on on you daily and we want to be this community that regularly goes to God in prayer expectant prayer dependent prayer that our individual lives our daily lives would be marked by prayer and then corporately our our gatherings would be marked by prayer. Even informally, when we're together, we would just become people who pray very regularly and easily. Like prayer is just breathing to us. And um, I think we have room to grow in this. We've been talking about this as a leadership that we would confess um, we have room to grow uh, in coming to God more regularly in prayer. And we certainly want our, our whole church body to be a part of that. So um, I'm hopeful, and I'm excited, and I'm praying about prayer these days, and we will be praying about prayer together. And I'm looking forward to going into this conversation for three weeks on prayer. Today we look at uh, a passage you may have read before in your life, and we're going to start with the Lord's Prayer, what I call the Jesus Prayer, um, or the Kingdom Prayer. And let me just set it in its context. Of course, many of you know this. Uh, This is in the Sermon on the Mount. We looked at the whole sermon right back in January and February, but uh, you've got this great kingdom sermon, and then right in the middle of this kingdom sermon, you have the kingdom prayer. It's literally right smack dab in the heart of the Sermon on the Mount is this kingdom prayer, the Jesus prayer, and then if you look at the prayer itself, right smack dab in the middle of the prayer is this little phrase that you'll see at the end of verse 10. Look at the end of verse 10. And I'll put it up here. Here it is. On earth as it is in heaven. That's at the center of the prayer. That's at the center of the Sermon on the Mount. And I think that really pretty much captures the very heart of the Sermon on the Mount. This is the cry of kingdom people. On earth as it is in heaven. Right? God, we want what's in heaven, which is you, and all of your goodness and glory and truth and beauty and justice and mercy and forgiveness and and all of that. We want that on earth. We want you to bring your heavenly kingdom to this earth. Of course, God is fulfilling this prayer in various ways, and one day He will fulfill it in its in its perfection when Christ returns. But this is the heart of this prayer, and it's the heart of really kingdom people on earth as it is in heaven. That is what we long for, Lord, on earth as it is on earth as it is in heaven. All right. And so, um, what I want to say before we're, we're not we're going to walk through this in a second, but I, I look at this, this prayer that Jesus has given us, and um, to me, he's given us this prayer as what I'd call a soul-shaping prayer. Okay? He's given us a prayer to pray because he knows that if we enter into the movements of this prayer, it will radically shape our souls, our hearts, and our minds over, t- over time. To be rooted in the movements of this prayer is to be shaped increasingly into kingdom people. And so I think Jesus intentionally wants to shape our souls through this prayer. And I I say that, and I also want to acknowledge, this is not the only way to pray, right, this prayer. And even in the Bible, this is not the only way to pray. You look at a lot of the prayers in Scripture, they don't follow this pattern. I mean, you just go back to the Psalms, right, and you read the prayers of David. and It's not, David doesn't start with like, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, and then I've got some problems here, right? He's like, (laughs) <laughs> what's ever there just kind of pops out. God, why have you forget? You know, why are you forgetting me? What, what's wrong? What's up? What's going on? Do this, do this. So he just jumps in right with whatever's whatever's going on in his heart. And you see other prayers like that. And what I love about Scripture is Scripture gives us full permission to just launch into wherever we are with our Father. And that's a good thing. But we also need prayers that are going to shape our hearts, don't we? Um, Last week I talked about expressive individualism, and we live in a culture of expressive individualism, so we value authenticity, we value spontaneity, we don't really value um, repetition, right, or or tradition in many ways. Um, But here's the deal, our hearts are really fickle, amen? Like I wake up some days and my heart is in a great place, and other days it's not. And so some mornings what my heart needs to do Um, is be expressed to the Lord. But sometimes what my heart needs to happen is it needs to be shaped by the Lord, (laughs) right? And both of those need to happen in prayer. And so Jesus has given us this prayer, I think, that is intended to to shape these fickle hearts, these fickle souls and fickle minds so that over time we become increasingly kingdom people with plenty of freedom to express anything we've got going on uh, to our Lord. Does that make sense? Okay, so here's what we're going to do is um, I want to teach on this prayer today. I'm just going to teach through the, the basic movements of this prayer, and then we're actually going to spend some time praying the prayer together. So several, several people will come on up and actually lead us in praying through the movements of this prayer. So I'll try not to be up, be up here for too long so that we can actually practice this together. And um, let me just say, I mean, this is the Lord's Prayer, like, I got nothing new to say to you today, right? Like um, but we need reminders of things that we already know. And uh, this, again, is a, soul, uh, is a soul-shaping prayer that, that points us to true north, to the, the true north of the kingdom of God. So let's enter into this beautiful prayer together, uh, the Jesus prayer. and um, let's just walk through it together. All right, so verse nine, I'll take us through the basic movements of this prayer. This, then is how you should pray. And the prayer begins like this, our Father in heaven. And let me just say this, (laughs) Um, everything you need to know about the Jesus prayer is contained in that phrase right there and how the prayer begins. If you can get inside of that, prayer will be as natural as breathing to you. Uh, And if you can't get inside of that, then prayer will always feel like a chore (laughs) Or, like something you know you should do but don't really want to do. Okay? Our Father, it begins. And of course, this is the great contribution of Jesus, I think, to the conversation about prayer that Jesus invites us into a relationship with the God of the universe who is our Father. He's not the only first century person who was saying this, but he definitely took it to the next level, if I can put it that way. Okay? Father is obviously an image of of certainly respect, but also intimacy and trust and affection and dependence, right, and provision. And Jesus invites us to come to God from that childlike place of a child who actually trusts their heavenly father. Well, I know, realize a lot of us didn't have that relationship with our earthly fathers, but Jesus is giving us a picture of the perfect father. Um, but he's not just our father. He's Our Father, literally, the one in the heavens is how the Greek reads there. Our Father, the one in the heavens. And in heaven gives us a sense of the the Father who's transcendent, who is actually above it all, who is all-knowing, who's all-powerful, who is the creator of it all, right? So you have Father, intimacy, affection, trust, and then you have in heaven, transcendence, power, sovereignty, and all of that. And so what Jesus is doing is he's inviting us to address the being who spoke everything into existence, who in this moment is sustaining every one of our bodies moment by moment, and who is moving history towards his intended purposes, that being we address as Father, as Abba, is Jesus' Aramaic word, Papa, Daddy, whatever translation You want. It says something about who God is. And it also says something about who we are. To be able to enter into prayer with these words on our lips says something about who we are. And it says this, we are the beloved children of the Almighty God. We're the beloved, approved of, enjoyed children of the Almighty God. And what Jesus is doing in having us pray this, he's not just inviting us to recite some words, right? He's actually inviting us into his own identity because Jesus' own identity was the beloved son of God. Here's an image I've shown you guys many times because I love it. This is um, an image of Jesus' baptism, right? This is when he began his public ministry. And he comes out of the waters and the spirit of God descends on him and he hears a voice from heaven and the, the voice says, You're my son. I love you, and I am so pleased with you. Before Jesus had done any public ministry, no miracles, no nothing, hadn't done anything impressive, just lived a normal life for 30 years. He hears the words of his father, these words that every son and daughter wants to hear from their dad. I love you. I am so pleased with you. You're you are my beloved. And in giving us this prayer, our Father, Jesus is inviting us into his identity as the beloved child of God. And that's the gospel. The gospel is that we are now in Christ. In Christ, we are sons and daughters of the King. And so when we pray, our Father, we are stepping into our Christ-given role as children of the living God. Now, I'm guessing this isn't hitting most of you right now because you've heard this about a thousand times. Right? Some of you already started falling asleep. Okay. I know you. So I remember when this first really started to hit me. This is for me, it was in my, my kind of early 20s. And um, lost my faith in God and early college, came back to God, late college, and I started spending lots of time with God. I didn't have um, three kids and a full-time job, and I had lots of time to kill. So I spent this great, great time in life. And um, I just spent it, it was this beautiful time for me, this rich time of of unhurried time with the Father. And I can remember a day, I I grew up in the porch streets, I remember this morning, it was a summer morning, I was at Anderson Elementary, I was just walking around, I was sitting under the shade of a tree, and I was reading my Bible, and and it was just this beautiful, rich time in God's Word, and I felt like God was kind of speaking some things into my life. And I remember thinking very distinctly, God, man, I feel like, um, I feel like you just keep showing up to these times like I've been doing this and I feel like there's just you have rich things for me and I thought and, and then the thought occurred to me it, it's almost like you enjoy this time with me and it, it's almost like you look forward to this time with me and I, I kind of said that to the Lord and then I realized the moment I said how much resistance there was in my heart to that idea that, for, that all my stated theology would have said of course that's true but my heart didn't think that God actually liked me very much, certainly not enough to enjoy time with me. And God started to rewire my heart then, and it's been a journey that's going to continue to the day I die, to begin to believe what we would all state theologically is true. But um, here's the thing, uh, many of us don't live in that identity as children of God. We, again, stated theology, yes, but our gut, our lived experience is, God doesn't delight in me. God doesn't um, just, he's not deeply affectionate towards me. He, he puts up with me. And here's the thing, if, if that's where we start, <laughs> prayer will never be a life-giving thing for the simple fact that it's not fun to spend time with people who you think are just putting up with you, right? Like, it's, it's not fun to spend time with people who you think are, are um, vaguely disappointed in you. That's not an enjoyable thing. And so Jesus is trying to get us inside of the reality that is true. This is how the Father feels about all those who are in Christ, who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. But until, until we, we know that, Um, prayer will always be one of two things. We will always be one of two things. We will either be like the hypocrites in prayer or we'll be like the pagans in prayer, okay? Look at what Jesus says in verse five about the hypocrites and the pagans. He says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others, okay? The hypocrites are people who use prayer as a way to to perform for other people. These were the... um, the, you know, the, the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day, and it's basically this. I don't have this deep affectionate relationship with God, but I guess prayer is something that you're supposed to do in this religious community, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this uh, as a way of kind of performing for the community that I'm a part of. Yes, we pray, so I'm going to pray, and when I pray, I'll try to make my prayers sound spiritual um, because this is something we do, right? But if you don't embrace this identity as beloved child, you will be most likely a hypocrite. It'll be something that you're supposed to do and that you'll do for the sake of the community that you're part of. Or the other thing you'll be like, you'll be like the pagans. And the pagans don't perform for the the community around them. The pagans actually perform for the God that they think they're talking to. Okay, look at this. Um, Look at verse seven. When you pray, don't keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. okay. Pagans think I need to perform for God or the gods that I'm praying for, towards. I need to present some spiritualized version of myself, right, through more words. i, I got to do something to manipulate them to do the thing I want because I don't actually trust that they just love me and, and are, are waiting to, you know, meet with me in prayer. And we'll become like pagans if we don't accept this identity. We'll, we'll, we will try to come to the Lord who's vaguely disappointed us and just puts up with us. And we'll try to present a version of ourselves to him that we think he'll like, uh, that he'll he'll approve of. Is this connecting with anybody? Right. I mean, it's so it happens all the time. I'll, I'll be with people who I know, you know, and I'll hear them talk in conversation, and then we'll start praying, and they'll start praying in this way, and I'm like, who is praying right now? Like I've never heard you talk this way before, right? What you're using words you didn't use before. You've, your cadences, everything's changed. What's happening right now, right? We're either performing for one another or we're performing for God or most likely in corporate settings, both, right? <laughs> I mean, it's hard to pray in front of people. I get that. So, but our Father, to begin a prayer in our, with our Father, is that, that's the end of all performance, okay? That is, that is um, to come to the God who knows what you need, as Jesus says, before you ask who loves you, who approves of you, who actually enjoys spending time with his kids. And so to pray our Father in heaven is like, hey, this is the one, at least here, the one part of my week where I don't have to perform. Because I feel like I'm performing all the time at work, maybe even in, in relationships. But here's the place I get to let my hair down. I like to be completely myself before a God who knows everything about me and loves me anyway. Get inside of that, and prayer becomes a very natural experience of your life. All right, so I wanted to start there and spend more time there because that's so foundational. Um, But let's move on to the next section, and I want to take this whole next section together. Father in heaven, your name be hallowed, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. All right, what is this, that first line, what does that mean? I, I'm not hallowing things these days. I don't know what that means. I don't know what it means to hallow a name, right? But what that means is your name is simply who you are, God, your identity, your, the essence of who you are. So to say your name is just to say you. And we want that to be hallowed. That means be treated as holy. So all we're saying in that prayer is, God, I want you to be treated as holy. Essentially, I want people to see how great you are. That's what I want to happen today. I want people just to see how great you are. I want you to do something so that a glimpse of your goodness or your holiness or your grace or your mercy or your faithfulness, any of these things that, that people might get us a glimpse of that today. They might end the day seeing a little bit more of you than they saw before. Uh, your kingdom come, your will be done. He's saying, I, I want the priorities and the values that shape your kingdom. Your justice, your mercy, your compassion, your grace, your wisdom, all all that is part of your kingdom, right, and your will, I want that to happen here. It happens perfectly up there all the time. I want it to happen here. So your name be hallowed, your kingdom come, your will be done. All right, let me just stop there and just acknowledge um, you can't escape the pronouns of these phrases, right? Your, your, your. Your. So to start the day and to pray this prayer, your, 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 I'll just say that's not where my head's at at the beginning of a day. My head is at my, 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 right? When I come to God, I come with myself at the center of the story with certain needs that I'm bringing to him, and I'm praying, Lord, my, my, my. And so I, I call these yours. I call this Jesus' uh, loving assault on my very way of being. This is his Loving assault on my way of being, this is him trying to reorient my whole life around a different center. This is his Copernican revolution, if I can call it that way. Remember back in the day, like when we thought that um, the earth was the center of the solar system, right? We, we thought we were at the center of the universe, understandably so, and that, that the sun, the planets revolved around us, and there were all these really detailed models to try to figure out the movements of like moons around Jupiter, Jupiter and stars and planets, how that, how that all fit together. Super detailed, but there were things that just couldn't quite be explained. And then you had people like Copernicus and Galileo and others that said, I, I think we need a radical paradigm shift, right? It, it's almost an imaginative, imaginative shift that we have, to, what, if, what if? What if the earth isn't the center? What if we're not the center? What if, what if the sun is the center of the solar system. And everything revolves around that. And all of a sudden, things fell in line real real clear and clean. And so the yours, I'll just give you a little image of our current view of the solar system, right? The your, your, your um, reminds me, oh yeah, I'm not at the center, I'm not the sun. Um, I'm like, you know, I'm Neptune, or, or I think Pluto's not a planet anymore. Um, Or more like, I'm actually one of the little asteroids in the asteroid belt, right? That's what we are. And this whole thing is uh, revolving around the God whose story this is. Um, But let me put that back up there. Uh, Just to speak personally again, (laughs) I try to wake up each day and I spend a little time with the Lord in prayer. Um, And I was processing this for myself. When I wake up every day, I wake up with two things on on my heart. I wake up with ambition and I wake up with anxiety. Those are the two most prominent drives that I personally wake up with. I think my wife would confirm this, you can ask her. But I wake up with ambition, meaning I wake up with plans, I wake up with desires, I wake up with energy to do some stuff, sometimes to fix some stuff or sometimes to control some stuff in my own little unique ways of trying to control. But I wake up with all sorts, I'm restless, and I wake up with ambition. And I also wake up with anxiety. (laughs) What I'm anxious about is that my ambitions aren't going to work out, right? The plans I have aren't going to succeed. The things that I'm trying to fix aren't going to get fixed. They're going to fall apart. And the name I want to make for myself today isn't going to be made. In fact, I'm going to embarrass myself in some way. Whatever it might be, anxiety and ambition, my, my, my. And the Jesus prayer reshapes my heart says, no, no, we need to reorient your heart around a different center. And it confronts, of course, but it's also freeing. It frees us from what I talked about last week as the weight of self-obsession. <laughs> that, that ambition and that anxiety, the, the Jesus prayer says, no, let, there's something bigger at work here. You're, you're not at the center, and that's a really good thing. <laughs> that's good news. That's freeing news. Reorient yourself around this, this story that's kind of not about you, actually, though you play a really important part and you're important to the the person who's the star of the show, Um, but it reorients you around his story and about trying to shape your heart and say, today, my hope actually is by the end of this day, Lord, not my name will be made great, but your name will be made great. Well, that's a very different goal for a day, isn't it? Um, I'm going to read to you uh, a, a prayer that I regularly read in the mornings. This is from this little book called Every Moment Holy and it's just like a liturgy of prayers, but this is the one for first waking. Let me just read a couple verses from it. Verses, lines. This is not scripture, sorry. I love this. this. This just settles me into this. I am not the captain of my own destiny, nor even of this new day. And so I renounce anew all claim to my own life and desires. I am only yours, O Lord. Lead me by your mercies through these hours that I might spend them well, and here's the phrase that hits me, not in harried pursuit of my own agendas, but rather in good service to you. Teach me to shepherd the small duties of this day with great love, tending faithfully those tasks you place within my care and tending with patience and kindness the needs and hearts of those people you place within my reach. That's such a disarming, helpful prayer All that to say, Father, your your name, your kingdom, your will be done. All right, let's move on to the next punt. One, we'll move pretty quickly through these last three. Are you still with me? Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Uh, Verse eleven: Give us today, give us this day our daily bread. Okay. So now we turn to the R's of this prayer. We start with your, and then we turn to three R's: uh, our daily bread. And um, you know what I love about this prayer? Um, It's so darn earthy and practical. I mean, there's nothing spiritual about this prayer, if I can can put it that way, right? This this is a prayer for tangible needs like bread, food. We can add clothes. We could add a roof over our heads. We could probably add financial provision, right? Our health, The, the basic human needs of our lives. So we go from the, the grand prayer of God's kingdom and glory and, and name to like the little small me, or us, and our very tangible, real needs that we have. And what I love is that God cares about these things, right? Throughout Scripture, Jesus describes fa- our Father as a Father who cares about our ordinary things. He says, seek first the kingdom, right, your, 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 and what happens if we seek first the kingdom? All these things will be added. That is, the things we worry about, worry about, like bread, right, clothes, shelter. God, your Father, longs to provide you with the things that you need. Um, I like, though, the one day at a timeness of this prayer. Uh, he doesn't say, give us tomorrow the day for you know, the bread for today, right? Give us today what we need for today. I mean, in some ways, I actually hate that prayer. <laughs> it, it's sort of this, right, the dailiness, the day-by-day dependency, um, that Israel had to experience in the wilderness through the daily bread of manna, right, one day at a time. This is a prayer. Don't worry about tomorrow. Take the day. Trust God to provide for the day. Tomorrow will worry about itself, Jesus says later in this sermon. Uh, and I'll just say one other thing before I move to the next one. One, one specific thing this this prayer has meant for me is, in some ways, it's, it feels funny to pray this prayer in Orange County. Can I say that? I mean, I grew up here. Um, I've never gone through a day where I was truly worried about my basic needs being met throughout the day, shelter, food, clothes, any of that. And we can expand this, beyond those, this prayer beyond that. But so what this prayer does for me is it constantly reminds me of brothers and sisters in Christ who really do need to pray this prayer urgently in my own county, around the world. And so most often if, when I'm praying this prayer and I hit this one, I end up praying this prayer on behalf of others. And that reminds me that the, um, the pronoun is actually not give me my daily bread. It's give us our daily bread. And that tells me that this prayer is actually a prayer for the community. There's no me or I in this entire prayer. It is the prayer that Jesus has given to his community. And so I love that we can pray these prayers for, for ourselves, but we can also pray these prayers for one another. And for me, this one is always the trigger to pray for those Um, who really need this prayer in ways that I personally don't. All right. So we pray for our our basic needs. And then next, we pray um, for not just our basic tangible needs. We pray for our basic spiritual needs. Forgive us our sins as we have also forgiven those who sin against us. And let me just say it again. This is our most basic spiritual need. Now, we don't wake up realizing this is our most basic spiritual need, right? Um, But this is. Our basic need is this. We are broken sinners who stand in the presence of a holy and perfect God. And whatever existential crisis you wake up with in your heart, this is your main existential crisis. You stand as a broken sinner before a holy God. The gospel, of course, is that Jesus has resolved this crisis for us in going to the cross and bearing our sin. And so we stand in His forgiveness every day. He's already paid for it, right? Past, present, and future. So we live in His forgiveness. But what I love is that Jesus has embedded confession in this prayer that we are to pray regularly. We've already been forgiven, and yet confession is embedded in this prayer, because I think confession is part of a flourishing relationship with God, okay? That keeping short accounts with our Father, regularly actually speaking the truth of what we've done yesterday, the day before, today, to Him is a part of a healthy relationship. And let me just put it in relational terms, okay? If you're in a relationship, long-term friendship, marriage, any kind of relationship, where one person is is consistently offending the other and doesn't acknowledge that over time, two things, one of two things will happen in that relationship. Either the relationship will end or the intimacy in the relationship will go away. You'll, you'll keep some semblance, and we see marriages where this happens. You keep some semblance of connection, but the, there's not, truth is not being acknowledged regularly, and so the other pulls back, and there's just not a closeness. And so confession is this way that we keep short accounts with God. We keep that relationship honest. We keep it healthy. We keep it intimate and flourishing. And then I think the other thing, confession before God is also something that's helpful for the community, right? Forgive us our sins, and here's the dagger, as we forgive those who sin against us, right? You know how Jesus ends the prayer. It's like, dun-dun-dun, right? So I think part of my regular confession with God is one of the ways this works, right? Because it's, it's hard to hold resentment over you and bitterness over you when I'm daily being reminded of the extravagant forgiveness I have with God because I'm regularly confessing to him the things that I fall short and experiencing his forgiveness again and again and again. Kind of hard to then hold something over my wife or hold something over one of you or um, my kids. Easier to hold over my kids, but you know what I mean. Um <laughs> So I think this this prayer of confession it it keeps our relationship with God healthy, but it also keeps our relationship with one another healthy. All right. Okay, I've gone a little slower than I'd hoped. All right, last one, Uh, and then we'll pray this prayer together. Was it there? Did I skip it? No, there it is. Finally, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So with confession, we ask for forgiveness for sins past. And then this final one looks to the future, and we ask for protection from sin's future, essentially. And um, if you've ever studied this this prayer, this one's actually quite interesting, because the word temptation uh, is the same word that is sometimes translated as testing, okay? So sometimes our our Bibles will say testing, sometimes temptation. It's the same Greek word. And that makes this a little bit tricky because it's clear that sometimes God's people are led into testing, right? Just in chapter 4, Jesus, after his baptism, he's led into the wilderness to be tested. First Peter 1 says trials are going to come into your lives, and these trials come so that the testing of our faith, right, can prove it true and reliable. And so... Um, This is not a prayer that we would escape the trials of life because clearly we will experience the trials of life. But here's the weird thing. Um, In every trial that we ever come up against, our heavenly Father, hear this today, always, always has his good and loving purposes in mind for us, right? He is wanting to shape us into the image of his Son. He's wanting to produce the fruit of the Spirit in us. That's always his intent, never to, to, um, to... hurt us, you know, in a, in a harmful way to harm us in any way, but he's always trying to move us closer to Jesus. But we also know there's another force at work in the events of our lives. It's what Jesus describes here as the evil one. There is Satan And in every trial that we go through, he has his own agenda. He has his own plans and purposes. He wants to move us away from the Father. He wants to move us away from kingdom life. And what's so challenging about life is in any trial, those two purposes are all happening at the same time, aren't they? Right? I mean, if you ever read Paul's thorn in the flesh, he's like, there was a thorn given me by God to humble me. And then he says, there was a messenger of Satan given me to torment me. And it's the same thing that he's talking about. that's what makes trials so challenging and trying to figure out, is this God at work? Is this Satan at work? I'm usually like, yeah. Answer, yes. That's how life works. And so I think what this prayer is, is Father, we know that testings will come, But would you protect us through those so that your good purposes would win out? Would you protect us from the evil one and what he would want to do in our own fickle hearts and what they want to do? And so this is a prayer of humility that doesn't say, God, bring it on, come away. This is a prayer that says, God, I know I'm weak. I know I'm vulnerable. And without your daily protection, I'm going to go through trials and I'm going to turn sideways. So I need your spirit. I need your your power at work. I need your protection over me. So, Lord, don't let the time of testing become a time of temptation, but deliver us from evil and deliver us from the evil one. All right, so there it is, a review of the greatest prayer of all time. And um, again, this soul-shaping prayer pointing us towards the kingdom. And here's my challenge to you this week. I want to invite you to pray this prayer every day this week, okay? Beginning of day is the best time to do it, if you're a morning person like me. But if it's a better time, um, take that better time. But let's actually enter into this prayer every day this week. And you can do it in your own ways. So you, can, you can pray it, how, you know, just walk through it in the way that makes sense. But let's together let our, our souls be shaped by the prayer that Jesus gave us. Amen? Okay, so now we're going to just close our time by actually praying this prayer together. And we're going to have four people. I'll be one of the four. They're going to come up and lead us through the basic movements, and we'll have an opportunity to pray this together. And then we'll um, close with some worship and sing. We'll actually sing the Lord's Prayer, too. We're really laying it thick on you with the Lord's Prayer today. All right, so Christina is going to come on up. And uh, lead us in the first movement. And I, I want to invite you: um, don't sit back and receive right now. <laughs> Engage. Bring yourself to the Lord, and we get to do that together right now. So let's let's do that together.
2: So, as Dave said, we're going to look at this first part of the prayer: these yours, your name be hallowed, your kingdom come, your will be done and we want to move away from this self-focus and recenter. as Dave said pursue we tend to pursue our own agenda and this is a prayer to say God we want your purpose we want your heart it's an opportunity to align our hearts with his so we're going to take some time to pray this and I encourage you to just think about what are some things that you're holding on to control in your life that God just wants you to offer those to him um, are there certain things in your life that you want to go a certain way? And maybe he's inviting you to think about what he might want or just a need to surrender something. So we're going to come to him with open har- arms, open hearts, offering him ourselves and say, not, your, not my will, but yours be done, Lord. And I'm going to give you a little time to just pray now in silence, and then I'll close. Father, we come to you, first and foremost, just wanting to recognize who you are, wanting to revere you, to lift you up, to honor you. We thank you that you are a God who is good, who is mighty, who is powerful, who is gracious. We thank you that you're loving and you care about us and you have compassion. Father, we just want to lift you up and honor you and praise you. You are great, and we want to recognize how small we actually are. And we want to reorient ourselves around you, Lord, to make our minds into yours. So, Father, we come to you and surrender right now. We open our hands to you. We offer ourselves to you. We ask that you would, in fact, align our hearts with yours, where we would want what you want, that the deepest part of us would be the longings that you have for us, that we would want your purposes to be fulfilled, that your kingdom would be coming here on earth. Father, we ask that you would do that work in us and that you would do that in our families, that you would be producing the fruits of righteousness in us we ask that you would do this in our church and in our relationships that you would help us to discern what is best and what it is that you actually want and how you're moving and we think about the spaces that we live in whether it be our neighborhoods or our workplace or our communities And we offer those to you, God, and we ask that you would actually purify our hearts to see what you see, to want what you want. Father, we recognize we need you, and we come to you out of that need. And we say, as this prayer says, not our will, God, but yours be done. We pray this in your name. Amen.
3: Let's enter into the simple request. Give us today our daily bread. And for a lot of us, this is not literal, but for Pastor Yonifer in Venezuela, this is a literal prayer that is prayed every day. Uh, But for us, I want us to look at um, this as a simple request for tangible needs. Uh, What is it? What's one simple thing in your life that you need to come to God for and go, God, you you need to do this Uh, i i can't do it it maybe it's something really significant like uh, a job or maybe it's something that feels really small and that's okay because god our father is good and he cares about skinned knees and he cares about uh, our jobs and our livelihood Um, and so no matter what the tangible need is we can come before him and he is delighted that we come before him with these requests and for us, if we think about our world and we go, no, we, we've been blessed, we've been taken care of, then I want to encourage you like uh, what, what Dave talked about and bring other requests from other people uh, to, the, to the throne. Uh, would you not take a moment on behalf of your brother or sister in Christ or your neighbor and bring out this need to, the, to our Heavenly Father? And so let's take a moment. Whether it's a financial need or a job, a place to live, a health issue, these are some of the things that you can uh, take before the Lord because we know the Lord cares for us. Lord Jesus, you are the bread of life. You are what we need every day. And Lord, and yet you've made us physical and and we hunger and we have these needs. And so um, would you increase our faith that we would look to you for everything? Would you increase our faith and would you glorify yourself as we trust you in these moments where we feel like we might be lacking or in need? And may we sit back and watch you just do miracles around us um, and and meet our daily needs, God, that we would not get ahead of ourselves, but we would look today and see how you show up. God, may we speak of your glory. May we tell people about you and how you just satisfy simple things in our lives and big things and wonderful things and and things for others. May we celebrate in your glory with others. Uh, Lord Jesus, as I know this community I know that there are people that are looking for jobs. There are people that have health issues, big and small, God, and I ask that you would meet them in those needs. Lord, today would you work in our lives that you would begin to satisfy these, these hunger pains that we have for these physical things that you so much care about. And God, would you lay upon us this thought that we are the church, that you work through us to help supply others' needs. Lord, that, that we may be the solution to somebody else's prayers, Lord, that, that we get to play an active role in how you help our brothers and sisters and those around us, Lord Jesus. So, Lord, would you not only fill us and satisfy us and come to our rescue, but may we also stop to think how we may help and rescue somebody else around us. We may be that grace and that extension of your love. So Lord Jesus, would you act in and around us to your glory? In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Forgive us our sins as we've also forgiven those who sin against us. So um, every Sunday, we walk in with, with um, fresh material to offer to God in confession, from, from the week before And it's good to do that individually, but it's great as a corporate gathering to be able to do that together. Uh, there's a traditional prayer of confession that has uh, meant a lot to me over my years, um, that we do, you know, with some regularity here. Let me read it to you because it really <laughs> captures the, the breadth of our sin. <laughs> uh, Almighty God, we confess that we have sinned against you, and here's some categories: in thought, in word and in deed. right? We have thoughts. We have words we've spoken this week. We have things we've done. And then this is the kicker for me. By what we have done, things we wish we hadn't done, and also by what we have left undone. Gosh, there's so much we could have done that we failed to do. And really, uh, we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbor as ourselves. Every sin in the end is a failure of love, a failure to love God and neighbor. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. And so this has always been a helpful framework for me as I if, I, if I can't come up with anything, I just read this one that I've come up with a lot, you know, that I can offer to the Lord. So let's take a moment uh, of silence, and you can use this as a rubric if you want, and let's just come to the Lord and confess, uh, acknowledge the truth of where we are before Him, and then we'll actually read this out loud together. But let me give you 30 seconds to just look at this, and let's just, here's the cross, and... Um, Let's spend a moment of confession. Let's read this now together. Almighty God, we confess we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbor as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. And now let me speak these words of forgiveness over you. Romans 8, 1, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. That is to say, sons and daughters of the King. Psalm 103, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger. He's abounding in love. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Amen.
4: Well, let's consider the final request in Jesus' prayer. <clears throat> Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And I want to say, this is not for your brothers and sisters in Venezuela. This is for us sitting here today. As you look at your life right now and maybe looking out into this next week, be honest. Where do you see the potential for temptation? Where is there an area of potential weakness or vulnerability? It could be anxiety. It could be anger. It could be bitterness. It could be selfishness. It could even be apathy. What is it that you're facing? Let's pray for God's protection and deliverance. So let's take about 30 seconds and pray about what you're facing. Lord, we ask for your protection against whatever temptation is coming into our lives. We know we cannot do this on our own. We need you, Lord. We need your strength. We need your spirit. Come alongside us. And, Lord, we thank you that you are the God that does deliver us from evil. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.